What's up guys, Jackson here with That i70 Show. This week on the pod, we have a pretty good mix of stories for you, including snow conditions, road conditions, some party stories from Vail, and some skiing stories from Vail, a little bit of everything, so we hope you enjoy it. As far as mountains that are likely to see snow over this Martin Luther King weekend, we're looking at southern snow with Wolf Creek, Telluride, Crested Butte, and the Aspen Mountains, all seeing some significant flakes into the weekend. Alex, I wanted to hear how Steamboat was because that was our Mountain of the Week last week. They were supposed to get, I I recorded our little snow update, snow forecast podcast on Thursday of last week, and they were supposed to get, I believe, 10 inches in between Thursday and Saturday. So how was the snow? How did the snowpack end up on the weekend? It was pretty awesome. Um, they definitely got at least 10 inches, if not more. It felt like I mean, we skied on Saturday, and there was it seemed like there was fresh snow on every single run. And it was, I mean, the, the visibility was terrible. It was so foggy. Um, so you couldn't really see if you were on, like, a big bowl or kind of like a run that was a, that didn't have, like, you know, any trees around it. You could barely see in front of you, but when you were in the trees, um, the visibility was really good, and the snow was—I mean—it was incredible. It was—it um, was a great—it was a great ski day. And Steamboat's so well known for their tree skiing. Did you guys get some tree skiing in in those aspen aspen groves? Yeah, um, I mean, every single run was a was a tree was a tree run. Basically, uh, we did. I couldn't tell you any of the names um, or the lifts just because I don't—I haven't skied there very much, but we. We skied kind of on the left side of the mountain, if you're looking at it from from the base. Um, and, I mean, it was like, part of it was pine, you know, you're skiing through pine trees, but a lot of it was through aspen trees, and the aspen trees are just beautiful. And we skied some chutes, some cliffs. Um, there was, you know, nothing was closed. Everything was open. Everything had tons of snow, perfect coverage. I mean, they had, I think they had over 200 inches, and you could easily tell. Like, when you got into the town of Steamboat, you know, there was an up snow up to the windows of the first floor. Like, you know, it was clearly like just dumping crazy that this winter up there. So, um, that was probably the best snow I've skied all year, or it was the best, you know, conditions and snow I skied all year. Um, and, and it was, it was pretty awesome. And, you know, it's not that it was busy, but it wasn't like, it wasn't nearly as busy as, um, any of the mountains, like on the 70 corridor or within two hours of Denver. Um, you could tell there were a lot of people up there still for vacation, people who were, you know, from, from out of town. Um, so we did have to kind of park in a faraway lot and take a bus. But even the bus was, like, we waited maybe five minutes, and it took us to the mountain, and we were right there. Um, so they have a really nice bus system, and the two gondolas got everybody up the mountain so easily. So we didn't wait in line really at all. It was kind of an awesome – it was kind of a perfect day, in fact, aside from not being able to see what was in front of you. It was it was pretty dark, but it was it was pretty fun. That's awesome. Yeah, we definitely didn't have quite ten inches over at Vale, but we had six inches, and and we got out. Since we were instructors, we got out before everyone else. We were allowed to get on the mountain at eight a.m. and take a what's called a milk lap, which was pretty sweet. It meant that we got fresh tracks at eight a.m. before we had to teach that day, and it was. 
probably the best run I've had all year. Satchel, you were saying that as well. What did you think of Vale this weekend? Definitely brutal getting out of bed. Like when we woke up, it was still dark. When we got to the bus, it was still dark. When we got to the mountain, it was like pretty much still dark. And I was worried too because um, like we were walking through town and there was no snow like in, in the town of Vale. But yeah, once we got up there, I think that was the best run I've done all year. Um, yeah, no tracks except for ours. Yeah, it, it was pretty good. I think yeah it got it veil gets tracked out so quickly it's kind of a shame like i i think i had probably like four good runs that day like kind of untouched runs but then after that it was pretty tracked out but you know still soft still really good alex did you feel the same way at steamboat like does it get tracked out there quickly no i mean i i felt like every single i skied the same run maybe twice and each time i skied it there were even these runs had you know tons of people on them and you're on the lift and you see tons of people coming down the runs. And every single time I was like, there's fresh snow everywhere. It's powder everywhere. Um, I didn't ski a single run where I felt like there was, it had been tracked out. Like everywhere I went was you know, fresh, perfect. Do you awesome think that's, style. do you think that's just because there's less people skiing steamboat or are the lifts slower? What do you think's contributing to that? I think there's just, the snow is just better. There's just more snow. I, there was, there were thousands and thousands of people skiing steamboat. I mean, it was, it was mm-hmm. busy. It's not like it wasn't a busy mountain. Yeah. It's just, it was, I think they just have more snow. The runs are the runs that I guess we kind of like to ski the harder runs. I didn't ski anything that wasn't, you know, black or, I mean, maybe I skied a few blues to get to the very bottom at the very end. But I mean, the runs I was skiing, it was pretty much perfect every single time. Jeez. I'm jealous for sure. Um, Satchel, do you have any stories, Devo stories from this weekend that you'd like to tell? This was like the first weekend where everything went okay. (laughs) (laughs) Like half my team was out of town, so I was only skiing with four kids. And I, I was like, okay, this is kind of why we did all these days of training and like standing around on greens because like. I just felt like it was the first time that every everything went smooth. So, uh, no stories. Didn't one of your kids lose his ski? Um, one of them did like a little front flip deal off like a exposed log. Oh, oh no! I, I I know what you're talking about. I I found a kid who was like walking around looking for his ski. This this kid was like seven years old or something, and he's like, he, he can't point to where he thinks he fell. So I'm like, okay, what's your best guess of where you fell so we can track down your ski? And uh, he, he like, first he points like way up the mountain and then he points way below us. And so we spent like half an hour trying to find this ski, never found it. And so we like, we get him down to his instructor and she said that she called ski patrol, but they didn't have any availability to pick him up. So I just like, Gave this kid the like a bear hug and just skied him down all the way to the bottom with his one ski. <laughs> That's awesome. awesome. I can picture it. He was cool about it though. Didn't wasn't he also saying I can't find my Smurf? Oh no. Or was that Jade's kid? <laughs> Probably Jade's kid. Okay. I thought it was funny that the even the kids, even the kids being taught call the instructor Smurfs. 
because there were the a lot of suits. kids that couldn't find their Smurfs apparently this weekend. I think it's because all the uh, all the Smurfs were so excited to ski, including myself, which I have a bit of a story that Alex, you haven't heard. I've told Satchel, and I'll I'll tell it again on the pod here. But we went straight back to Blue Sky. My kids were kind of excited to ski Blue Sky, and I was like, "All right, uh, that works for me." So we head back there. And as soon as we get to the top of Blue Sky, I can tell that they haven't opened the runs yet. And we're like at the top of the lift and all of a sudden they they drop the rope. And I, I'm watching people ski down below us and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is going to be a treat. We're all going to get to ski fresh tracks down to Earl's lift. And um, so we get off the lift, we rush down there and I'm like, kids, you don't have to wait for me. Just we're going to use the buddy system. Don't get lost and meet me at the lift. Because frankly, I was so excited to ski the six, six inches of fresh pow too. And I've been skiing with these kids long enough to know that they're pretty solid skiers and, and they know what they're doing. They know how to get down to the lift I'm talking about. So I'm like, all right, just meet me at the lift. Of course, we start skiing and I see these two kids, two of my stronger skiers. And I really like these kids and they go off into the trees and I'm like, all right, I trust those guys. They're going to be fine. Keep in mind, these are these are nine and 10-year-olds. So maybe I was making a bad judgment call there. But anyway, we get down to the lift and I have four of my kids, four of my six kids. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe this. What's taking them so long? We wait for probably 10 minutes. At this point, I'm like, all right, what is the protocol for calling the emergency line? I'm ready to call the emergency line and and use our lost kid code satchel and right at that moment they kind of appear out of the out of the trees and one of them's missing his pole so i'm i'm like all right let's go look for your pole he's like we couldn't find i fell in the trees i couldn't find my pole we take the lift back up and all of my kids are so excited to look through the powder for this kid's pole and they're just like standing on top of where he thinks he fell so even if the pole was there, like they're just filling it in more, which was not helpful. And I'm like dragging my ski through the powder to try to hit something hard and pull his pole out. And right as I'm about to call it and say, guys, we're not going to find his pole. I kind of like the tension built up on my ski and it whipped through the snow. And I whacked one of my 10 year olds in the nose with the edge of my ski. Oh, <laughs> and so... This kid like was, you know, like, you know, when a little kid, when they first get hurt, they're kind of like stunned and I was stunned too. And we're both looking at each other and I'm like, oh no, like, I'm not sure if his nose is about to start like bleeding everywhere. Yeah, you're <laughs> and, both uh, just taking inventory a little bit about how bad it is. Exactly. <laughs> and, and I'm looking at him and he's looking at me and our whole group saw it happen. And I'm like, oh my gosh, are you okay? And just like a couple tears start to stream down his face, like two, one tear out of each eye. But he's like, I'm okay. I'm okay. <laughs> he was so freaking tough. That kid is going to be a badass. And I was so proud of him. But yeah, I, I hit one of my kids in the face with the, the edge of my ski. And that, I mean, I cannot imagine if I would have like broken his nose. Cause I like it, it was easily the edge of a, a big powder ski to your face. One, it's never going to feel good, but a little more pressure and I probably could have really hurt him. So, um, 
I told his parents at the end of the day and I texted him later and they're like, no, he hasn't even mentioned it. So I'm, I'm glad he's all right. But, um, that was my story of the weekend. Weren't you saying he's kind of mouthing off to you right before it happened? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, he was disobeying my instructions. Like, let this be a lesson to the rest of you. (laughs) <laughs> no, definitely not. That was it was a scary moment for me for sure. Well, I also have a a, a lost in the trees story from Vale, but not from this last weekend, but from the weekend before. Um, after New Year's, I skied with Hunter, and that was a pretty awesome day. And we're skiing down these trees, and like I get to the bottom, and, and I like wait for Hunter, and I probably waited for Hunter for like fifteen twenty minutes. And I was like, fuck, is Hunter, is Hunter still alive? Like, did he hit a tree? Like, I see this ski patroller. And so I'm, like, screaming at the ski patroller, like, because I think Hunter is probably, like, in a tree well. I've called him, like, five times, texted him, and I'm getting no response. So I'm screaming at the ski patroller, like, hey, hey. And he looks at me, like, what the fuck's wrong with you? Skis off. And so I ski off behind him and, like, tap him on the shoulder, like, flying down the mountain. And I'm like, hey, I need you to follow me. I think my friend is dead. And he's like, what the fuck? And so he's like starts skiing with me and we get to right to the top of where the run is. And I'm like, I ask him like, all right, so how do you want to do this? I have no idea where he is, but I know he's on this run somewhere. And Hunter calls me and he's like, Hey man, I'm on the lift. I'm coming to the top. And I look at the ski patrol and I'm like, Oh, he's, he's alive. We're good. You could go. <laughs> I just ski off. What was, what was his excuse? Where'd he go? He fell in a tree well and he had to like climb out. But he had to like take his skis off and you know climb climb out and everything, and so it took him a while. But well, he wasn't some ex- legitimate danger there, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is true. Yeah. There are actually a lot of, a lot of signs at Steamboat, um, and they say like if you fall on a trail, you will suffocate and die. There's like don't fall. Lots of like not like those uh like those signs we see at Crestview Jackson where it says like mandatory air, or it's the skull and crossbones, and they're like don't come here. It's like the opposite. It's just like don't fall face first at steamboat so that's pretty funny <laughs> i like that take your own risk <laughs> so i didn't lose a kid but i lost a 27 year old <laughs> <laughs> pretty much the same speaking of kind of like danger i i've been looking for this headline or for this article and it was either in the summit daily or the veil daily um but essentially I'll, I'll recap what the headline or what i think the headline was saying Please, all of our listeners, don't take this with any factual um, understanding or information. (laughs) But what I think is happening in Colorado is that they're about to re-legislate the laws on avalanches and make it so if you even trigger an avalanche that nobody dies in, you can be prosecuted for triggering an avalanche. So it will have major implications on backcountry skiing and frankly, something that I think everyone should be paying attention to. I can't remember if I saw it in the Vail Daily or the Summit Daily, and I'm really sorry that I can't find it for everyone here, but that was the headline that I saw this weekend, and I really wish I would have taken the time to read it in between our ski day or whatever we were doing. But yeah, I mean, what are your guys' – you guys have any thoughts about that? I've got it up here. It's in – you sent it in the group chat. It's in – Oh, it's in Ski Magazine? That's yeah, right. It's called Why an Avalanche That Doesn't Kill You Might Land You in Jail. Can you read some of the top part of it? This is a lengthy one. 
<laughs> this is like an Sat- actual article. Sat- I know. Why don't you just go ahead and read it for the for the listeners. We'll we'll start from the top. Well, see, this is the this is the problem with us not the being preparedness. Um, yep. Exactly. So why don't why don't we come back next week with our we we our homework for the week is that we're all going to read this article. I'm going to put this article in the in the link in bio for all of our listeners this week, and then we're going to come back and we're going to discuss this change for next weekend, just because I think it's really interesting um, in terms of how the backcountry laws are going to be set going forward and you know how it might impact us all it definitely could be a testament to make sure that everyone's taking that avalanche course if you're going to ski in the backcountry especially if you know you could be thrown in jail for simply triggering an avalanche which frankly i don't think is that hard to do so yeah we're gonna link that in bio and and read it for next week Speaking of skiing backcountry, I am planning to ski Silverton this weekend. I believe uh, our, our friend Gage wants to book a place or book a guide for Silverton Mountain. So we're going to be skinning up and skiing some gnarly shit this weekend. I'm pretty excited about it. Um, I don't really know anything about Silverton other than it's a resort where you are required to have a guide and... They also offer some helicopter uh, rides. We won't be partaking, but I'm I'm excited to be skiing something so steep that they don't even have lifts on it. That sounds so fun. I thought that I thought the uh, Silverton guides like sold out way earlier in the season. It was like like they book up really quickly. But well, that could be true, Alex. We haven't done our due diligence. We were going to do that tonight as well. But yeah, you might we might not even be. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Did you guys hear that? The yeah. pod definitely heard hear that. Hear what? <laughs> it, sounded like a, it sounded like a garbage disposal. I think we can just chalk this up to a bad week, you know? This is this is a wake-up call. It's a splash of cold water on the face. Honestly. Next week will be better. <laughs> Wait, I have a question about, about Telluride. How much snow have they gotten this year? Is it Have they gotten like pounded like everybody... Like some of the other, you know, kind of far off mountains, or I think they've had some good storms, but nothing. I don't think they have had a year quite like some of the more northern mountains, mm-hmm. to be honest, um, which is a little bit upsetting. It's part of the reason that Jade wanted to ski. I mean, that Gage wanted to ski Silverton rather than Telluride, because apparently that's a two-hour drive from Telluride to Silverton. Oh wow. Like two hours closer to Denver or two hours further from Denver? Because Telluride's like, what, eight hours, seven hours away? So it, it actually, they're, they're relatively um, similar latitude. Silverton is to the east, southeast. Silverton is southeast. But you have to, it looks like there's not like a direct way. You have to drive like all the way around. You have to drive back up north towards Montrose, Montrose and then through Uray and then back down towards Silverton. So that's the... Sh- the uh, fast and short of it. And Silverton is not on the Epic or Icon, right? No, we would be dropping some coin for that trip. Mm. But, yeah. but I mean, that sounds worth it if you're, I mean, the experience of what Silverton offers is easily probably worth whatever it costs. Unguided I mean, day, 99. It's not worth. Guided day, 229. Six run oh, heli day, 1000 two hundred ninety dollars 
Shit, man, you can fucking go ski helicopters six times for less than what it takes to fucking ski get Vail. a private lesson at Vail. That's exactly That's my first thought when I saw that, too. Fuck, fucking... <laughs> Vail is an absolute ripoff. You get one private lesson from some doofus. Jabroni. From $1,500 fucking dollars. So I can go heli-ski for the whole fucking day for 300 less, and I bet you... I bet I get a fucking lunch on the helicopter ride for who, free. Who are you calling the jabroni satchel? I'll call you. <laughs> We're the jabronis. We're not fooling anyone. I, sw- I swear to God, if I pulled up to a Vail, Vail Resort's private lesson for 1500 and you or Satchel greeted me as my instructor, I would be like, absolutely, I need a refund and you owe me $100 for my time. Like, I'd be so upset. <laughs> The heli, the helicopter does sound pretty nice. That is yeah. kind of crazy. Yeah, that, but but that's the thing, Satchel. I think it will be worth it to to go ski Silverton. I'm 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 ready to drop some coin, and I'm actually looking at the snow forecast right now. Here's what I got. We're gonna we're gonna do our snow forecast segment in the middle here. Maybe I'll put this at the front, but just so you guys, this will be helpful for you guys as well. Crested Butte is gonna be our mountain of the week. Because I have them at the top of our list in terms of local-ish resorts. In the next 24, they're supposed to get 10. Next 72, 14. So that's pretty good heading into the weekend. We scroll down, and we actually have both Telluride and Silverton at the top of that list. Telluride's supposed to get 13 over the next 72. Silverton is supposed to get 11. Then some more southern mountains like Wolf Creek, 10. Aspen Mountains, all supposed to get nine. Steamboat, seven. A Basin, six. And again, most of those I-70 corridor mountains like Keystone, Loveland, Winter Park are all supposed to get between five and six. So that is our weekly forecast for the I-70 show. And... um, yeah, that's pretty hype, actually. That's that's a good snow forecast across the board. You guys have heard that uh, California's been getting hammered with, um, I mean, it's kind of sad and scary. They're getting, like, these massive, massive flooding events in California, apparently. Um, but in addition, that's bringing super moisture storms to their ski resorts. I saw a video, I think it was, like, on Instagram, but... It was, I don't know which which Tahoe, you know, Lake Tahoe Mountain it was, but um, there was so much snow, and it was like I guess so heavy or so, uh, it was just so much that people were they couldn't even ski it. You know, it's like this person was recording as they're going up the lift, and there's just like fifty or a hundred people just like sitting in the snow, like trying to dig themselves out because there's so much fucking snow. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, at, at what point do you feel like? Is there? It's just too much snow to ski. At what point do you ski? pray like, for at, less snow? Yeah, I was gonna say. At what point you're like, "Fuck, I don't even want to go skiing." There's so much, you know. <laughs> I don't think that's possible. I, think I mean, it is. I mean, I think- uh, at, 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 honestly, some of these resorts shut down because there's so much snow. Yeah. I I pulled up the the uh, official California forecast here. So Squaw Valley's at the top of the California list. Thirty-two inches over the next twenty-four hours. That is ridiculous. 106 inches over the next 120. That's unskiable. <laughs> that's that's taller than half the population. 
That is unskiable. Mammoth is projecting 21 over the next 24, 70 over the next 120. Wow. Yeah, that is amazing. We should uh, we should be flying to California this weekend, boys. But uh, yeah, you might be right, Alex. The, the resorts might actually be shut down because of how snowy it is. Um, and of course, that those storms are going to move into Utah. But it's funny. Like, I feel like we, we keep hearing about, yeah, these California, Utah storms. And we've touched on this on prior pods, but Colorado doesn't get the equivalent, if that makes sense. Maybe it has something to do with the moisture content. Like the moisture content kind of dries up by the time it gets to Colorado. Yeah, I feel like you hear about snows like that at Wolf Creek, but not really like in Summit County. Yeah, definitely. This uh, is a good time to tell my snowboarder joke. If you meet a snowboarder wearing a suit and tie, what are the first words out of his mouth? <laughs> yes, Your Honor. <laughs> Alex still laughed, even though he's heard the joke like three times probably. Yeah. There's another one that's like, what do you call a snowboarder without a girlfriend? I don't know. <laughs> Homeless. <laughs> That one's pretty good. All right. Um, We really really need to – yeah, that one's a little messed up. Um, Alex, I mean, Satchel, I definitely had some pitchers and pitches this weekend as well. We we can't remember any of the – were we that drunk? I definitely was. (laughs) Satchel, disclaimer, Satchel yacked this weekend. And and now I'm sober. Oh, Satchel. That's good. (laughs) Now he's sober. It's oh, actually he, impressive. He he yacked on Saturday night. Well, well, listen. He yacked on Saturday night at uh, after going to Bridge Street Bar, which was a good time. But dude, it was like a fraternity in there. Very but, few women. <laughs> anyway, Satchel throws up on Saturday Big night. Time. And then he's like, "I'm I'm done drinking. We go skiing. We actually had a pretty good ski day, but he kind of dies yeah, off at the end of the day for hours. Anyway, then." We get invited over to this fancy house by some of my college friends who happen to be up there. And they are like hyped up. It's Sunday night, but they are playing beer pong on the island. They have, they're living in this probably $5 million house. And I'm like, Satchel, you want to play beer pong with me? And he's like, I'm sober now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sticking with it. Uh, made it to Tuesday. We're not we're not really gonna hang out with him anymore, Alex. Oh. I'll hang out with you, Satchel. What are you guys gonna what do? What the fuck are we gonna do? <laughs> we'll be. <laughs> I don't Such know. a good question. We'll find something. <laughs> Can't go to a bar. <laughs> wait. So, wait. I want. I want to back up. Why was Bridge Street like a fraternity? Just because, like you said, it was just all dudes, or was it? Was there some kind of event or? You Why know, was that the case? I don't know. We we were in the George earlier having some cheap drinks. And then we went into Bridge Street, paid our $10 cover. Nor I've had some really good big nights in there. But for whatever reason, this this evening was just super male dominant. It was it was horrible. Way too many dudes, but I did have the most fun time dancing I've had in years followed by the least fun time sitting on a bus I've had in years because I was getting the spin so bad. (laughs) (laughs) Satchel was up on the stripper pole. 
Yeah, I I I, oh, yes. I got like beckoned up there, and then which was like the last thing in the whole universe that I've ever wanted. He got back. He got beckoned up there by like ten dudes because <laughs> that's oh. the only people in the bar. That's that is so surprising to me because I feel like every time I've been in Vail or been out in Vail, there are just beautiful women everywhere. Yeah, it was a little and... bit of an anomaly. Something was off. That's, that's so strange. Yeah, it was it was definitely not great. Sub-par. It was like Fort Collins vibe. If, if you're if you're wondering what it's like <laughs> to go out in Fort Collins, really? Yeah, <laughs> that's tragic. Um, yeah, the other thing I was gonna say is, I I you know I think it, it's important to let our listeners know like kind of how we feel about some of the businesses along I seventy. And this could be our kind of business of the week. You know, we could review bars and restaurants. I, I was not impressed with Bridge Street this time. I mean, it's one of the only places you can go out in Vail. But I just, like, the drink, like, you couldn't even get a drink for under $10, which I know it's Vail. Like, what what, am I, what do I expect? But, like, the drinks were those crappy little drinks poured in a see-through plastic white plastic glass with full of the brim with ice. And, you know, I, I got three of them and I'm spending $40. Like that's, that's no good. You can't even get drunk. I don't know how you got drunk, Satchel. Your credit, you, you might want to take a glance at your credit card. Bill. Yeah. That's, that's partially like half the reason my sobriety. Like half your Dino salary. Yeah. That's smart. <laughs> no, the nobles just started buying shots. I think we did like three rounds of shots after you left. Yeah. I, I was like, I'm out of there. I'm excited to ski tomorrow. And I, I went and got on the bus uh, at one, so I still had a big night out. But I was on the one a.m. bus. I got on the bus. There was some kids on there, and they immediately go, "Oh, Helly Hansen shell, you must rip." And I'm like, I wanted to be like, "Yeah, I fucking do," but I was a little less cocky than that, and I was like, uh, "I'm a teacher. I'm I'm an instructor," which I immediately realized. Is like not necessarily like a good thing. It doesn't necessarily mean that I'm a good skier at all, because I also proceeded to tell them that I'm a first year instructor, which makes me sound like I'm some bozo who's just you know trying to learn how to ski. You didn't have your squad um, with you. It's hard to have swagger if you're just a lonely dude on the bus. That's right. That's exactly right. They also were. I was telling them about how the Bridge Street bar was like a fraternity and they're like oh dude we were at v bar and i'm like what's v bar have you ever heard of that satchel not till this weekend or alex are you saying like v as in t-h-e or v as in the letter v no v as in vegetable v bar i've never heard of that yeah neither had we but turns out people call vendettas v bar when it turns into a bar at night, which I thought is just preposterous. Just call it vendettas. I've never heard that. But I guess they, they were kind of hip dudes and they were they were with the in crowd. So V-Bar is what you call vendettas at night. That is a tip for all our listeners out there. You guys want to be hip, you start calling it V-Bar. You'll impress the hip dudes next time. Jackson, are you sure they were hip or are you sure they just were- – since they had their squad and you didn't have your squad, they had the upper hand this time. Yeah, I'm not really sure. Everything was backwards. I had one other thing that I that I thought I remembered from this weekend that we were talking about. Oh yes, Satchel, why don't you tell people about the dude in the red hat in Bridge Street Bar? Oh, I didn't I didn't really interact with him that much, but he was just trying to fight 
like he was one of those dudes who just wants to fight literally anyone. And like one of the dudes we were out with is like six four CU football player and like red hat guys trying to fight him. <laughs> yeah. Our friend is was a tight end at CU. Really good football player and and he's like, not it's not me. <laughs> I'm not your guy. <laughs> This, this, there was just this rando out at this, at this bar and you would watch him run across the bar, like barge through everyone, run up to some random scraggly kid like me or Satchel and be like, bro, bro, you're trying to, were you looking at me weird? I, I don't even know what he would say. Honestly, he didn't talk to me. Thank God. I probably would have freaked out, punched him in the face. But um, he was definitely trying to fight. And it's just like a weird thing. Like we're in like the ritziest ski town in America and there's still like that dude. Like I guess maybe maybe that's the reason is we're in the ritziest ski town in America. There's going to be that dude it's, there. Yeah, that's just like a, a drunken alter ego archetype, which, you know, maybe we could use one of those guys in our crew. Alex is kind of already <laughs> like that, you know. That's such bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> um, wait is your friend is your friend uh the tight end from this last season where they went 111 or is uh, he... from the past three seasons so he graduated two years ago i believe how do you how do you he know him? is uh stella's boyfriend oh yeah. gotcha he, he he has played with some serious um players though like two lanes running back that's so good that guy was a transfer from cu oh. like he knew that guy he yeah, he he was the real deal for sure. It was kind of fun talking to him about football. Nice. Yeah. Um, what else we got, guys? We knew we needed to um, finish strong. I feel like that was a pretty – we had a hot run there for a minute. White hot. How have the roads been for you guys driving up and down? You guys run into any traffic driving to uh, Steamboat? My parents drove to Winter Park on Saturday morning, and they said it took four hours to get from Boulder to Winter Park. It's so hit or miss. There, there needs to be a better system to alert people about what the drive's actually going to be like. Because I feel like Google Maps, like yes, it'll show like red or yellow for a small little section. But like once you're up, once you're at that section, you don't actually know how long it's going to take. You know, like it's ne- Google Maps never says four hours to get to Silverthorne or Vale, but it can end up taking that long because. Once you get there, your drive time expands. But it always says like two hours and 30, two hours and 15. And you're like, oh, it's bad, but I'm still going to bear through it. And then it ends up taking way longer than that. Yeah, it just the time or, or the the time to destination doesn't change, even though you've been in the car for like 45 minutes. So if you know if you get in the car and it says two hours, 15 to Vail, and then you drive 45 minutes and it still says two hours and 15 to Vail, mm-hmm. you're like, well, fuck, Google Maps doesn't tell you it's, you know, doesn't like automatically update like that yeah the the drive to steamboat um well we left on friday morning like before work got up there worked from winter park and then skied a little half day like before it closed and then driving to steamboat it was there's no traffic i mean driving on 40 it was you know i mean the roads were kind of icy um at some spots but it was there was nobody out there, so it was super easy to get there. And then, um, so I didn't have any traffic 
at all this weekend, which was quite nice. That's the benefit of um, driving off of I-70, honestly. And uh, even during the week this week, I've been looking at I-70 Things Instagram page and seeing just massive traffic pileups. I saw a video of someone's snowboard who had come off of their car in the middle of I-70. And so they were having to go rescue their snowboard and stop traffic while they did it. You know, thank God people are sensible enough to like totally stop. But imagine the the time cost that that one person caused because their board flew off the top of the roof, you know? Yeah, that's that's insane. Dude, one thing that drives me insane, and this, I saw this this weekend, um, was when the express lane is open and you have to like pay, you know, you pay your $9, you get in the express lane. And then the person in front of you is going like the same fucking speed as the people in the non-express lane, and you're you're and you're sitting behind them. That I saw that this weekend. Like I wasn't in the in the express lane because I didn't think it like was necessary, but it was open, and the car next to me in the express lane is going like the same speed I'm going, and the car they have like ten cars behind them all going the same speed as my lane, and they're paying like nine bucks. If I was the car sitting behind behind i would have been losing my fucking mind it's like if i'm in the express lane and i've paid nine dollars i want to go as fast as my car is physically pot capable that, there should be there should be no speed limit in the express lane it should be the fucking autobahn it should be the wild fucking west and i should be allowed to do whatever the fuck i want not have some douche in a minivan cruising at 65 in front of me i swear to god like that's the most infuriating shit i've ever seen i was mad for the people behind him i was like i feel for you (laughs) how do we resolve this another express lane (laughs) (laughs) yeah we need two fucking there's there's your pitch for the week everybody pitches and pitches two express lanes no no you bring up a good point that that is so infuriating when people go you know, slow, slow in the express lane. And it happens a lot. I mean, even in the left lane, like people complain about that on I-70 all the time. People need to get over into the right lane if they're not passing. So that's just a reminder for all all our listeners out there. I'm sure we're guilty of it too at times, but I know we all drive 95 like, like the rest, like every Coloradan should. I I don't think it's the Colorado (laughs) people that are the problem. Like with camping out in the left lane. I think a lot of you see like rental cars and you see like a lot of out of state plates. Well, cause I mm-hmm. think there are States where that's like not really the norm. Like there's not an established passing lane. And there's not a problem with it because the, the a lot of these people are from non-populous States where there's not really a traffic problem, you know? Right. So it's like, it doesn't matter what lane you're driving in Texas. <laughs> Yeah, Illinois, eh, Chicago. I don't know. I've just noticed. I've noticed that as well. You can you can always pick out the uh, the rental cars because they have the barcode stickers in the back and they have the no smoking stickers the right red, in front. The red it's always place. kind of funny, and the red license plate. Yeah, it's always kind of. I yeah. That's a good point for for all our listeners. If you're seeing red license plates, I you know not a lot of people know, knew this. I didn't know this until a few years ago, but. The red license plates means that it's a rental car. So next time you see those red license plates, give them the double bird as you drive by. 
Or if the license plate says Texas on it, <laughs> give them the double bird as well. Then your life might be at risk. Yeah, you might get shot. <laughs> oh shit! Actually, this is random, but when we were driving, when we were driving back on um, Saturday, I saw we were behind this truck, and like, um, he didn't have a tailgate. He just had like a single bungee cord holding on a like a gun rack with like literally four rifles. Just it out in the open in the bed of his truck and i was like i'm not going to tailgate this guy i'm not going to get close to this guy i don't want to be within 500 yards of this truck because he will absolutely kill me if i piss him off in any sense <laughs> i was terrified to be near that person so maybe don't maybe don't give the bird the double bird to the texans maybe keep yourselves you know alive. we're also being the worst colorado people ever by making these generalizations but um yeah we're just calling it like we see it huh yeah. All right. What do you guys think we call it? I think that was a pretty good pod. Well, actually, I think it might have been our worst pod ever, but I'm going to splice some shit together and work some magic. Yeah. <laughs> like a, we, a Snapchat filter to make it's like the hot, super hot girl after the Snapchat filter. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? Well, you know, like the beginning product is not necessarily attractive, but then afterwards, the filter makes the podcast like really hot. You put that deer filter. Yeah. Do the equivalent of that. Yes. Sagittarius. That made no Sagittarius sense. you lost me with that one. I'm All right, I'm going to sign off. Satchel, I knew exactly what you were saying. I'm going to put the sexiest Snapchat filter on this podcast ever. Thank you. People are going to listen to it in the shower. <laughs> Sexy. <laughs> Okay, interesting fact that I'm stealing from another podcast I really like to listen to called The Best One Yet. It's a business podcast. Apparently, 65% of people use their phone on the toilet, and all the rest of the people are lying. The, yeah, I would say definitely 100%. There's your fact of the day. Nice. All right, we're going to end it with that, everyone. A non-skiing fact, but uh, enjoy your weekends out there. We got another round of storms coming towards Colorado. So uh, it should be good skiing. Make sure not to ride the left lane. Don't camp in the left lane. And we're all going to live a happier, more blissful skiing lifestyle if we do just that. So uh, pray for snow, y'all, and have a good weekend. Bye.